everybody welcome to another edition of the gbi show that's right it's gridiron betting insights here from ats a show whose host has never been accused of sex crimes so that's a win on tonight's show week nine of the nfl season we preview it from a betting perspective we'll break down each and every game on the schedule give you the numbers the narratives everything else you need to know before you lock in your bets this sunday in the nfl and you know we'll try and have a little bit of fun along the way of course thank you to ats for making the show possible also thank you to caesar's sportsbook for making the show possible Go to Caesar Sportsbook, new signups, use the code GBI bonus. You'll see it at the bottom of your screen, or if you are checking out the show on the podcast feed, it'll be in the description. GBI bonus at Caesar Sportsbook. Get a matched bet on your first wager up to $1,001. So you bet $1,000, your first bet at Caesar Sportsbook, they will give you $1,000 in free bets. And then, of course, there's a possibility that you win your wager and get that money back plus whatever you win. So uh, worth checking out there at our friends at Caesar Sportsbook. And, of course, be sure to download the ATS app. Yes, we have an app over at ATS. Pretty neat. Uh, you can track your own bets, similar to what you see in some of the other apps out there. Also, the ability to uh, look at some key statistics, all the information you need to place your bets, some contests, information on the latest promotions, all that fun stuff at the ATS app. Feel free to download Google Play, Apple App Store, wherever you get your apps on your mobile device now let's get into week nine of the nfl season actually before we do that hit us up in the chat box if you are watching live on uh, youtube and twitter we have the chat box you can hit me with your hot takes throughout the show on the week's games or if you want to tell me you like my uh track suit whatever you, whatever you want to tell me you can do it there or of course if you are watching or listening on demand through the podcast feed youtube or twitter we appreciate you as well now let's get into week nine on the nfl schedule we will start with thursday night football the new york jets double digit underdogs it actually it's been bet down around nine and a half but they are pretty uh substantial dogs taking on the indianapolis colts in indy on thursday night total 45 and a half and last week mike white uh tj calkins and i on the ats youtube channel we we're laughing mike white cincinnati Bengals are going to cover that double digit number and uh, that didn't happen. That is not what happened in that game. The Jets won outright. And this is one of those times where I remind everybody, don't bet big money lines in the NFL because you never know when they're going to completely fall apart on you. And uh, that is what happened as Mike White threw for over 400 yards and the Jets beat Cincinnati outright. Of course, last week, the Colts losing in heartbreaking fashion in overtime against the Tennessee Titans in a division game. They went up 14 points. They looked real good. And it ended in disaster. Carson Wentz, two late interceptions that completely wrecked the game. Here's how you know Carson Wentz had a rough afternoon. The big play there in the fourth quarter where he throws the pick six from his own goal line. Uh, people were on gambling Twitter and elsewhere saying that he made the right decision throwing the pick six instead of the safety. Uh, when those are your two options, you know it is not a good situation for Carson Wentz. And so here we go, Mike White and Carson Wentz on Thursday Night Football. Uh, this will be an NBA night for yours truly. I have no interest in watching this game. And, uh, I mean, really from a betting perspective, I don't think there's a lot of value either way here, right? I mean, yes, Mike White looked great last week. He's getting a lot of points, but is that going to be sustainable here in the second game on Mike White where, you know, maybe you have a week's worth of film on him, things like that. But I'm also not trying to lay close to double figures with Carson Wentz because we saw against the Titans 
even when things look really good, he has the potential to completely fall apart. So it's a no play for me. Uh, again, Zach Wilson out, Corey Davis doubtful for the Jets. Uh, George Fant questionable at offensive tackle. And then, of course, you have T.Y. Hilton out with a concussion for the Colts. So both teams nursing a little bit of injuries. Um, you know, both of these defenses actually decent. Uh, not great, but decent, allowing 5.7 yards of play. Colts naturally a better offensive team than the New York Jets. But like I said, this is just a game where I don't see a lot of value on either side. If you're courageous enough to back Mike White based off of what he did last week, I applaud that. I think that would be the best play for this game, but I I can't do it. I can't do it. I also can't play Carson Wentz. For me, it's a complete no play. This is a game that it's very unfortunate that it's in one of these standalone spots. I guess maybe they thought before the season that you had Zach Wilson about to go in the spot, but even with the way he's played, that wouldn't make it an attractive matchup either as far as I'm concerned. Um, I just I, – I have no – earthly interest in this game and I think most sensible people uh will not have any interest in this game especially with Carson Wentz just trying to keep it together for another week but I mean that's really the best you can expect from him at this point he has been completing some passes down the field but not consistently enough and not when you're dealing with all the turnovers especially to make him an attractive play there so it's it's a complete I am I am not even issuing a recommendation for this game i do not think that there is any value here in the betting markets but i think uh it'll be interesting if you're like a sadist you know if you really want to punish yourself and sit through that football game good luck to you if you choose to do so we'll go to the sunday slate now and some much better games on the schedule on sunday and we will start with an nfc south matchup that got a whole lot more interesting after last week's games talking about the atlanta falcons Six-point underdogs taking on the New Orleans Saints, total 42. Last week, of course, the Falcons losing at home to the Carolina Panthers, a game where it was kind of expected that that would be really uh, the last straw for Sam Darnold with the Panthers. Not not that they were going to get rid of him, but just in terms of, okay, we know now this guy is not the answer to our issues. But he actually went out there, he played respectably, and the Panthers ended up getting the win behind a strong defensive outing. There from Carolina. Saints, meanwhile, they beat the Buccaneers outright. They went and did it. And what was impressive about it, of course, is the fact that Jameis Winston went down with a season-ending injury in that game, by the way. That's tragic for the Saints and, of course, for Winston. But Trevor Simeon comes in, and he does just enough to get the Saints over the line in that game. And very impressive stuff. And, of course, you give the Saints defense a lot of credit, too. It's a situation where they knew their margin for error shrunk quite a bit when Trevor Simeon came into that game, and they did just enough, too. They got a late stop. Kudos to everybody all around there in New Orleans. And it's an interesting situation for the Saints this week, right? Because you have Trevor Simeon, who played well enough to win that game. He wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but he did do enough to get his team the W. And then you have Taysom Hill scheduled to come back this week, I believe, for the Saints. And now the question is, okay, what do you do with that quarterback spot for New Orleans? For me, I just don't rate Taysom Hill as an actual quarterback position player in the NFL. I think you should go with Simeon and then use Hill in a lot of the gimmick packages like they did last year with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill paired together. But who knows if they're going to do that? Sean Payton, of course, very committed to Taysom Hill just in general 
So we'll see what they do there. I think it's going to be really interesting. Of course, on the Falcons side, you're dealing with Calvin Ridley stepping away entirely from the Atlanta Falcons. So it'll be interesting to see how that team continues to move the ball. Just, I Of course, you care about the guy's mental health. That is 100% the top priority here. Uh, unfortunate timing, of course, for the Falcons as Kyle Pitts was starting to get things moving. He had had a couple of 100-yard games. Uh, and now, of course, one of the top receivers goes away. Now they can pay more attention to Pitts again. It's a really unfortunate situation for the Falcons, both on and off the field. Of course, you hope that Ridley does get the help that he needs and that he gets to a place where he feels like he can return to football which, of course, is the most important thing, more so than the schematics of the Atlanta Falcons offense in a lost season, just to be 100% clear there. But it's an interesting game for the Saints, right? Their, their defense has arguably been better than their offense all season long. They are number one in the league in terms of yards per carry allowed. They're allowing nine and a half points less per game than the Falcons this season. The defense now knows it's going to have to play at a really high level for the rest of this season, knowing that it's going to be a guy like Simeon or Taysom Hill or somebody off the scrap heap if they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. And I think we see a really strong performance here by the Saints as a result on the defensive side of the ball. I just I don't know if it's going to be enough. I would lean toward the Saints. They're at home. They've got a lot of momentum going for them. But without a real concrete idea as to what the quarterback situation is going to be like, that's something I would probably have to pass on, even though the Falcons have just been a disaster this year, as evidenced by last week's performance against the Carolina Panthers. Next up on that Sunday slate during the early window, Denver Broncos taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this number has grown quite a bit over the course of the week. It was at seven earlier in the week. It's up to around nine, total 49 and a half. And... Denver, they squeaked one out last week against the Washington football team at home. They gave Washington several chances to tie that game late. Uh, Washington had driven it pretty far down the field before the Broncos were able to get a stop. They then fumbled the ball back to Washington while trying to run out the clock. That was a whole mess. And Washington got some shots at the end zone. As a result, they couldn't complete any of them, but it was not a commanding performance by any stretch of the imagination by the Broncos. Of course, you had the Cowboys beating the Vikings with Cooper Rush at quarterback. We will talk more about the Vikings in a little bit on this show and just how embarrassing that loss is for them. The second straight year they have lost to a backup quarterback at home uh, when playing the Dallas Cowboys. That simply cannot happen. But you give Cooper Rush a lot of credit. He did look pretty good out there. He's completing the intermediate throws, some of the deep throws there in a way that you wouldn't have expected a guy who hadn't started at this level of competition to do. Dallas comes into this game 7-0 and against the spread on the season. They have been untouchable at covering the number. Uh, even, I mean, they were an underdog against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles early in the season. They managed to win that game outright. They have certainly exceeded a lot of expectations in the betting markets early on this year. Denver, meanwhile, 4-4 four and four against the spread on the year. Dallas tied for first in the NFL in yards per play offensively this season, averaging 6.5 yards per play. The Broncos a full yard worse than that. And Dak Prescott questionable, and it looks like he should play, and the line movement suggests that he's trending towards playing. 
I still don't want to play it until I know for sure what the deal is there because just something about laying nine points with Cooper Rush doesn't seem all that prudent. But Dallas clearly the better team here. I would lean toward them if Dak does go. This is just it's a Denver team that listen, we know what they are at this point. They fattened up against terrible teams early in the season, and they just have not proven that they can beat a quality opponent yet. I mean, when your best win on a season is the Washington football team, that's a problem. Also, you have the whole da- the um, Von Miller situation. Talking about Dak Prescott, without him being chased around by one of the best, best pass rushers in the game, Von Miller being traded to the LA Rams, that's not going to do much in the uh, positive direction for the Denver Broncos, right? Maybe he could have waited a week before uh, before shipping the guy off. Of course, the trade deadline making that impossible, but uh, it's just bad timing, I guess is my point. It's just it's an unfortunate situation for Denver. And it kind of begs the question, should Dak Prescott even play this week? I mean, that's kind of more of a first take, you know, a debate show kind of question. So I'm not going to waste a bunch of your time on it. But, you know, you see load management in the NBA. You wonder if maybe Dak Prescott shouldn't just take a week off against the Denver team that has not proven it can beat anybody of note in the NFL, and they could get worse with uh, losing Von Miller. So I think that I would lean Dallas here, but I want to know for sure who's playing a quarterback before making any sort of moves in that direction. Now let's look at a matchup that is kind of a redux of a uh, previous Super Bowl that we've seen play out. The New England Patriots taking on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Patriots three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, total 41. And both of these teams did pick up not impressive wins, but wins that you respect last week on the road. If you had the uh, Carolina Panthers beating the Atlanta Falcons last week on the road, and then you had the New England Patriots against the Los Angeles Chargers, and they looked really impressive, especially running the football, right? You had Damian Harris putting up numbers in the running game for the Patriots, so you give them a lot of credit there. Of course, Sam Darnold, really the story coming into this game. He is questionable with concussion issues. He's got a shoulder issue. He is not in good shape, but he was in good enough shape last week to help his team get a win. Of course, they're waiting on Christian McCaffrey to get back as well in Carolina. Carolina, the third worst team in the league in terms of their yards per play, gained offensively one of four teams in the NFL under five yards of play, and they're not in good company, to say the least. They're there with Houston, Miami, and the Chicago Bears. Of course, Chicago dealing with a rookie quarterback. Houston, they've been playing with Davis Mills for most of this season. And Miami, Tua was hurt. You got a lot of Jacoby Brissett. That excuse isn't really there for the Carolina Panthers. They've had Sam Darnold the whole year. So that's a pretty big concern there for Carolina. They do make up for it, though, by playing some pretty solid defense. They are second in the NFL in yards per play allowed this year. And I think that's kind of where the difference in this game is going to be. Mac Jones hasn't been great by any stretch of the imagination this season in New England. And you have a Panthers team that is solid defensively. Not great, but they are strong defensively. I think they're going to make it pretty rough on Mac Jones. I would lean toward the Carolina Panthers here. Both teams entering, by the way, at 4-4 four and four against the spread on the season. Both teams allowing under 21 points a game. I think we're going to see a lower scoring affair here. I don't know if it stays under the total of 41, but I do think we see a pretty low scoring affair. I would lean toward the Carolina Panthers here. You're getting three and a half points at home in a game where I don't think either side is really spectacular by any stretch 
of the imagination. I think that the Panthers could very well win this game outright as a home dog, in my humble opinion. Next up, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, folks. They are playing the Baltimore Ravens. Total in that game is 50. Vikings, six and a half point dogs thereabout. These lines uh, coming on Thursday afternoon, by the way. So if you are listening later on and you say, oh, wait a minute, that line's changed, that's why. Now, the Minnesota Vikings last week, just like last season, they had a big opportunity to kind of right their ship at home against the Dallas Cowboys and against a backup quarterback. And for the second straight year, they were unable to do that. Now, last season, they took on Andy Dalton and the Cowboys, and they gave up a ton of points. That game was a shootout, and they lost. This time, it was a low-scoring affair. The Vikings, 21 points would have, you know, earlier in that game would have put them in a really good spot to make the Cowboys chase the game. You start forcing turnovers, and all of a sudden, you're going to win that ballgame. But they couldn't get anything going offensively against the Cowboys, and they just gave Cooper Rush just enough room to get that victory. And that's exactly what he did. Cooper Rush for the second straight year, helping the Cowboys win in Minnesota with a backup quarterback. And it's just shameful for the Vikings, to be completely honest. Uh, this week, their defense in position to get even worse as Daniil Hunter now on IR for the Vikings. And now they're tasked with taking on a Baltimore Ravens team that's off of their bye and is a lot more dynamic offensively than the Cooper Rush-led uh, Dallas Cowboys. I think this game has the potential to get pretty ugly. I, I don't know how this Vikings team responds and gets up off the mat after a game like that. I will say the one way they could do it is by putting up a lot of points Baltimore 30th in the NFL in yards per play allowed this season. So if they are going to keep it within the number, it's going to probably be in a game where a lot of points are scored both ways, especially when you're taking on a Ravens team who offensively is fourth in the NFL in yards per play in their favor. I just think that this is a battle of it's a coaching mismatch. In my opinion, I rate John Harbaugh a lot higher than I rate Mike Zimmer. I also just think that the offenses are a little mismatched in this game. This is the second time this season now we have seen the Vikings really struggle to score on their home field. And now you add in the added adversity of, okay, we were just embarrassed on national TV against Cooper Rush. And I think that is a recipe for disaster for a team that hasn't shown a lot of ability to pick themselves back up after something bad happens to them. So I would lean the Ravens to cover the number there against the Minnesota Vikings coming off of the bye there in Baltimore. Now, in another matchup featuring an AFC North team, we've got two AFC North teams competing this week against one another. We've got the Cleveland Browns, two-and-a-half-point underdogs, going to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, total 46-and-a-half. And both of these teams suffered losses that I think they would both consider to be pretty bad. You had last week the Cleveland Browns at home, favored against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, of course, in last place in that division as of last week. And the Cleveland Browns lost it outright, a low-scoring game. The Browns really couldn't get much going offensively in that contest. On the other side, you had the Bengals, 11-point favorites on the road against the New York Jets. And as we mentioned, Mike White 
threw for over 400 yards against them and just beat them outright. Uh, they, they ended up getting some first downs late in the game to where they were able to kneel out the clock. It was embarrassing for the Cincinnati Bengals. So an interesting situation here, right? You have both teams trying to respond to pretty adverse situations, and I think the Bengals right now are better equipped to do that. First of all, you're at home, so that's a win. But you're also not dealing with the chemistry issues that the Cleveland Browns are currently dealing with. You have throughout the week, Odell Beckham is being excused from practice. His dad is posting videos of Baker Mayfield failing to get him the ball when he was open, things like that. Just a big chemistry problem for this Browns team. You have anonymous sources saying that, you know, Odell doesn't do anything with the team. He's not a good teammate and things like that. It's just, it's a weird situation. You wouldn't expect him to be with the team as of right now. You're also dealing with Jack Conklin. You're one of your prized offensive linemen for the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be out now, put on IR with an elbow injury. Things getting a little squirrely for a Cleveland Browns team that was expected to be one of the upper echelon teams in the league. Of course, here on the GBI show, we didn't fall for it. We thought they would go under their season win total for the year. And by the way, next week, we are going to have our progress report at the halfway point of the season on all the futures recommendations that we did make on the show. So you can look forward to that. But the Browns looking like they're falling short of some of those expectations. Meanwhile, you have a Bengals team that's kind of playing with house money at this point, right? Of course, that's a goofy play on words as a host of a sports gambling show. I'm very sorry for doing that to you and making you endure that with your ears. But it's true. They were not expected to be great this year. We didn't know what we were going to get. You had a quarterback in Joe Burrow who showed a couple of flashes last season, but he got injured. And we didn't know how he was going to be when he came back. We had Jamar Chase as a high draft pick who was talking about having trouble catching the ball because the white line wasn't on it like it is in college. You just had a lot of weird things up in the air. Could they even protect Joe Burrow this year? Well, so far, everything's been great for the Bengals. Jamar Chase has been great. Joe Burrow has been excellent, much to my chagrin as somebody who didn't think he would pan out in the NFL. Again, I was wrong. We admit that here on the GBI show. But you just have a team that I think, yeah, they were caught looking ahead last week, but I don't think that's going to tear them apart the same way that a lot of the Cleveland Browns issues have been tearing them apart over the last few weeks. Both of these teams, I mean, they're kind of good at a lot of the same stuff. They're they're two of the five teams in the league allowing under four yards to carry on the season. But here's the thing for me. That matters a lot when you're playing the Cleveland Browns, being able to stop the run. Baker Mayfield simply has not lived up to the hype, especially with his performance this year. Being able to stop the run and the fact that Cincinnati has that in their arsenal, that is going to be a big deal. And I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be able to put the Cleveland Browns in a lot of third and long situations, make Baker beat them. And I don't think that he is going to be able to do that. In fact, if I had to rate these two quarterbacks, I would rate Joe Burrow above Baker Mayfield a hundred times out of a hundred right now. I think he's the better quarterback. And I think that the Cincinnati Bengals cover the two and a half point spread largely based off of that superior quarterback play and the fact that they can get some stops on defense. Now we'll get to a big giant double digit spread here in the NFL. We've had at least three of them in each of the last couple of weeks. Don't worry. We still have one to look forward to here. 
I am talking about the Buffalo Bills, 14.5-point favorites, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars down in Duval County. It's total for the game, 48.5. Last week, the Bills, they were a 14-point favorite. They covered the number against the Miami Dolphins, despite the fact that they got off to a very slow start. That was a low-scoring game a lot of the way. The Bills really picked it up in the second half, though, and did exactly what they needed to do. Jaguars, meanwhile, they go to Seattle. They get crushed by the Seahawks. And normally, that's not something to be ashamed of, right? Normally, you get crushed by the Seattle Seahawks. Now, that's okay. It's a part of the game. Not when you get crushed by the Geno Smith Seattle Seahawks. That's a bit more of an issue. That's a little bit more concerning there for Jacksonville. Uh, the Bills still number one in the NFL in terms of yards per play allowed, giving up 4.6 yards a pop to their opponents this season. They're 4-2-1 against the spread. And you have to remember, you're against the spread record isn't just a set of numbers, right? You have to contextualize those numbers. A team that's constantly an underdog, them going 4-2-1 against the spread is a lot different than a team like the Bills being 4-2-1 against the spread, where they're constantly a favorite. Not only do they need to win their game, they need to win it convincingly in order to cover the spread. The Bills have done that. The two times they haven't were outright losses against the Steelers as a favorite at home. And then that weird Monday night game against Tennessee where Josh Allen slips on a quarterback sneak near the goal line, costs them the game entirely. So as long as they have won outright, they have at least pushed the number. And I think that continues here as, again, I'm not somebody trying to lay these big giant numbers, right? I am not trying to lay 14 and a half on the road in the NFL, just on principle. However, I would lean toward the Bills here if I had to absolutely make a play on this game. I just think the big difference in the defenses between these teams, the Jaguars giving up a yard and a half per play more than the Bills this season, I think that makes a world of difference. And then, of course, you have the superior quarterback play, the better receivers, everything on offense, tilting in the favor of the Bills as well. I think this is a game that get real ugly. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think he's played a defense this good just yet in his pro career, and he has taken some steps forward in recent weeks here as in his first year as a professional quarterback, but I don't think that's going to be enough against the Buffalo Bills. That is my personal opinion. I will lay the 14-and-a-half if uh, I was really forced to make a play on this game, although, again, on principle, not a big laying double digits in the NFL guy myself. So that's the first half of the week nine schedule in the NFL here on the GBI show. We'll get to the second half in just a minute. But of course, I want to remind you first, download the ATS app. You can track your bets. You can look at the pertinent statistical information going into each game to help you plan your wagers accordingly over on the ATS app. Check it out. Google Play, Apple App Store, wherever you get your mobile apps. Now let's get in the half number two here on the GBI show as we preview week nine of the NFL season. And we'll get into a game now that got a lot weirder over the course of this week, right? I am talking about the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the New York football Giants. Total 46 for the game, and the Raiders are a three-point favorite. And this is a game where, of course, you're dealing with the aftermath of the Henry Ruggs situation there in Las Vegas, a very tragic situation. Um, of course, you wish nothing but the best for those affiliated with the victims of Henry Ruggs' actions. But on the field, 
that is a very interesting situation, not having Henry Ruggs on the Raiders roster anymore, in that it makes life harder for Derek Carr and that offense. The Giants this season at home have been a respectable team defensively. They held the Atlanta Falcons in check. They lost the game, but they did hold the Atlanta Falcons in check. They pummeled the Carolina Panthers, holding them, I believe, without a touchdown in that game a couple of weeks ago. They have certainly showed up defensively. They were decent at home for a lot of the game against the Denver Broncos in week one as well on the defensive side of the ball. Now without Henry Ruggs, things get a little harder for the offense of the Las Vegas Raiders against the team that has been competent defensively so far this season. With that said, I still don't like the New York Giants offensively enough to want to back them in this spot. Every average number, you know, the per play for and against goes strongly in favor of the Raiders in this game. The Las Vegas Raiders also averaging six points a game more than the Giants this year. They're better at finishing drives. I would lean toward the Raiders here. It's not a game I would want to play just because of everything ugly going on with Vegas. Now they've had the Gruden thing. They've had the Rugs thing. I'm just not sure how many more of those types of situations a team can deal with as they try to navigate an NFL season, which is hard enough to do as it is. It's a no play for me, but I do think that the Vegas Raiders are stronger top to bottom and should be able to pull this game out. But I do think the ultimate wild card is how they react to everything that's been going on around them so far this season. You also have the situation where the Giants heading into a bye, not a great organizational culture. You have Saquon Barkley set to miss this game. You have Sterling Shepard doubtful. Galladay and Tony questionable. Still just a ton of guys who have the potential to miss this game for the Giants. So I think it could get pretty ugly. By the way, Raiders Chiefs uh, the week after this I think will be very interesting. Uh, this That could be a game where the Chiefs are a favorite, and I'm not so sure that they should be, in my personal opinion. Moving on, week nine of the NFL season here on the GBI show, Texans-Dolphins. This, uh, this, well, this is a game that could very well decide who drafts first in uh, the upcoming NFL draft, although I know there's some kind of pick-swapping situation that comes into play as well. So it's an ugly game to say the least, right? Both of these teams enter on seven-game losing streaks. This is a hideous, hideous football game. Texans, somewhere in the neighborhood of six-and-a-half-point underdogs, depending on when you're catching the show. Total, 46-and-a-half. And both of these teams, I mean, of course, you're in desperate need of a win when you're one and seven. But you have a situation where Terod Taylor is supposed to come back this week for the Houston Texans, and I think that makes a really big difference in this game. Taylor, you got to remember, all the way back week one, he looked pretty decent against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a really easy victory, right? I mean, that's a game you're supposed to win, and Taylor led the Texans to a win in that game. Now, against the Cleveland Browns, Taylor was serviceable. He was okay. And that's when he got hurt, and that's when we got Davis Mills for what felt like an eternity over there in Houston. It has gone very poorly. They, until last week, were averaging under 10 points a game with Davis Mills as their starting quarterback. I think Taylor at least brings them an air of competence on the offensive side of the football that was not there with Davis Mills. 
both of these teams, of course, disasters statistically, right? Both in the bottom half of the league, bottom four in terms of their yards per play, bottom seven in terms of yards per play allowed, bottom five in scoring offense and defense. It's a game that really I don't like betting at all, but if I was going to do it, I would take all those points with the Texans. I think Terod Taylor is going to be just good enough to make this a close contest either way. Also, again, why would you think that the Dolphins are going to blow somebody out this season based off of the way they've played this year? Uh, Just a game that, again, it's like you don't expect to see it on red zone very often, let alone want to watch it on TV here in week nine. A lot of better games both to watch and to wager on. I think there is no denying that. Now let's go to Philadelphia for our next contest. Chargers-Eagles, Chargers two-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 50 there in Philadelphia. Last week you had the Chargers losing at home as a favorite to the Patriots. You had the Eagles beating up on the Detroit Lions. I think it was 44-6. to It was really ugly. Justin Herbert's status worth keeping an eye on in this game. He's questionable with a right hand injury. It was one of those where the throwing hand hits like a helmet or something and it hurts. He should play. It's the second time it's happened to him this season. He should be fine and good to go. But as the guy takes hits during an NFL game, who knows if it stays that way, it's at least worth keeping in the back of your mind as you go through this week. Of course, injuries on the Eagles side as well. Miles Sanders, he is now on injured reserve. Jalen Rager questionable with an ankle injury. And both of these teams pretty similar statistically this year. Both averaging 5.8 yards play on the season. Philly slightly better on the defensive side of the ball. Both teams within a point and a half of each other in terms of scoring offense and defense. And, I mean, both of these teams super middle of the pack, right? The Eagles trying to get to 4-5 and with a win. The Chargers just trying to stay above 500 with a win. I don't see a lot of value betting this game either way, right? It's a tight line between two teams that are pretty middle of the pack just about everywhere you go. You know, the one thing I would say is the perception around Justin Herbert, I think, is a lot more positive than his actual play on the field. So, you know, you could argue that maybe the Chargers are just generally overvalued, but I don't know that I would go that far. Um, I think that it's a game that really could go either way. And for that reason, it's one that I really wouldn't make a big, strong recommendation on from a better's perspective. Now, a game that I am somewhat interested in, I'm pretty interested in from a betting perspective, Packers-Chiefs. Uh, Packers around a 7.5-point dog in this game, total 47.5. This is a game that was about a pick em game uh, earlier in the week until we found out that Aaron Rodgers will not be playing. He has tested positive for COVID. Uh, we found out that he is, of course, subject to the different protocol because he is not vaccinated, which then spawned questions about him potentially lying about that fact that he wasn't vaccinated, and it turned into the whole who knew what and when did they know it type of thing, one of those situations where I'm really glad to work in the sports gambling field and not in one of the you know debate culture sports shows where you have to do the what did they know, when did they know it game. Because I don't care about any of that. I care about who's going to cover the spread. And as long, all I need to know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there. It's going to be Jordan Love or whoever else. I think Blake Bortles got signed. He could be a part of the quarterback room there in Green Bay. That's all I care about right now is who's going to cover the spread. And with a spread now that's more than a touchdown, of course, a substantial downgrade in quarterback quality for the Packers coming into this game 
But I don't like the idea of laying those kind of points with this Kansas City defense, regardless of who is starting a quarterback for them. It's a Chiefs team that really should have lost to the New York Giants last week. A couple of turnovers from the Chiefs, really sloppy play. The Giants had plenty of opportunities to go down the field and get a late scoring drive that would have put them ahead in that game, potentially for good. Instead, they give Mahomes just enough chances to go down and get a game-winning field goal. And again, Kansas City, dead last in the league in yards per play allowed this season. And it's not like they've played a murderer's row of amazing offenses. I mean, they have played plenty of teams that have had their share of struggles on the offensive side of the ball, just like the Giants when they played them last week. I mean, their performance against the Cleveland Browns defensively has aged so poorly, given how badly Cleveland has played on the offensive side of the ball against teams like Minnesota, Pittsburgh last week. Uh, That has not aged well at all for the Chiefs, but it has contributed to them being a dead last team in the NFL in yards per play allowed. Now, of course, on the flip side, you're going to have a quarterback who at best is inexperienced and at worst is experienced, a guy like Bortles who just hasn't been good during his time in the NFL. I don't think that there's really a win there either way. It's a game that I would lean toward the Packers to cover the number uh, at over a touchdown. But again, if you if you bet on the Packers, you are going in acknowledging, yes, I am backing Jordan Love or Blake Bortles or whoever, the ghost of Brett Favre, I don't know, whoever it's going to be, against Patrick Mahomes. And it's entirely possible that I could be down 21 nothing early against a team quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes. You have to go into the game at least telling yourself that that's a possibility so you're not surprised if it does happen on Sunday. For me, I'm happy to sit it out, but I do think that the Packers would be the uh, the smarter side to take in that matchup just based off of how bad the defense is for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, next up is a kind of interesting game in that the line has flipped through zero here on Thursday afternoon into the evening. You had the Arizona Cardinals taking on the San Francisco 49ers, total around 45. And it's a game that was a pick game early in the week. Cardinals were favored by about a point and a half uh, as of Thursday early in the day. And then later in the day on Thursday, uh, the Niners were then favored by about two points. And of course, the reason for this and this is something I'm going to go off on a tangent about here. You got to know why a line is moving in the NFL before you cite line movement as an important factor when making your bets, right? Sometimes it's the betting patterns. It's the amount of money coming coming in from certain places and certain people. Sometimes it has everything to do with injuries. And oftentimes it's a combination of those two things, plus a lot of other factors. You have to know why a line is moving before you start betting based off of where the line is going. Now, when I wrote about this game early in the week over at ATS.io, where we have written previews of every game every week in the NFL, I thought the Niners as a pick game would be good enough to win. And you know, now the line movement has kind of uh, taken that side with me as the Niners are now favored by a couple of points. But the reason for that line movement, Kyler Murray questionable with the ankle injury that he suffered last week on Thursday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. He went down in a heap late in that game after taking a hit on that drive that did not yield the points that were necessary to keep Arizona undefeated. And 
we don't know if he's going to be okay because we didn't see any further action from him once he went down with that injury. A.J. Green, who, of course, didn't turn around on the pass from Murray, then ended up costing them the game, the game-ending interception, essentially. Uh, he is going to be out with a COVID-positive test. Now, both of these teams statistically a lot closer together than their records would indicate. Yards per play, both averaging 6.1. They are tied for fourth in the league in yards per play allowed, both averaging 5.2 yards per play allowed. However, the Cardinals averaging around a touchdown more per game in terms of their scoring output and around a touchdown less per game in terms of their defensive output. Cardinals, 6-2 and two against the spread this season. Niners, 2-5 and five against the spread this season. Really, the only differences between these two teams are the actual scoring numbers so far this season when you look at the statistics the way I'm looking at them. But Kyler Murray banged up. That's a problem. I think the Niners are the way to go in this game. And I kind of thought that before we got the line movement, right? Kyler Murray, I mean, we saw him get kind of helped off the field there late in that game for the Cardinals. And yes, a little bit of extra time to recover and get ready for this game after Thursday night but it looked kind of nasty enough where you think, okay, this might be something that could really affect them here. Of course, it's in normal circumstances, a game where they could easily just make the decision of, okay, we're going to sit them out because we're seven and one, we're looking good. But with the Cardinals being tied in the division standings with the LA Rams, and yes, the Cardinals do have the tiebreaker based on the head-to-head win, that is not an easy decision relative to what it might be if the Rams were maybe five and three, as opposed to seven and one, you really know that this could cause a problem for you. If Murray doesn't play and Colt McCoy, I believe it is, uh, cannot deliver as the backup quarterback, but I would lean the Niners here. Uh, We'll wait and see what happens with Kyler Murray's injury status. The one thing I will say is if Murray cannot go, then you have a situation where the line is going to really move the way of San Francisco once that announcement comes out. So if you feel strongly about the Niners, you probably want to get them before that news drops, probably on Friday. Titans-Rams, Sunday night football. We'll go there next. Titans, seven and a half point dogs, going to SoFi Stadium, total 54. And last week, the Titans got a great win. Came back from two touchdowns down early, beat the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, just victimized Carson Wentz at the end of that game. Problem is they lost Derrick Henry probably for the year. He uh, he is having foot surgery, likely to miss the season for the Tennessee Titans. Meanwhile, the Rams, they've lost once this season. They are absolutely rolling in the NFC West. Rams number one in the NFL in terms of yards per play gained this year, tied up there with the Dallas Cowboys averaging six and a half yards per play. And it's a game where I think if Derrick Henry was available Well, first of all, you'd have a much shorter number. But I think that the Titans could have very well won this game outright if Derrick Henry were around because the running game would have set up everything else that the Titans like to do, right? You can do more play action. You can get your receivers in a little bit more space because you have defenders trying to crowd the box to stop Derrick Henry. That's not going to be an option now for the Titans, and I think it really hurts them here. That is why I do lean the Rams 
With that said, I do think that the Rams are kind of in a weird spot here, right? Because you know going into the game that the top offensive weapon on the other team isn't there. And now you kind of have to figure out how to prep your defense for a team that still could very well go out there and run the ball, right? They still have capable ball carriers. They have that McNichols who went to Boise State. But you're expecting more passing from Tannehill trying to get to guys like A.J. Brown, who had a big game last week for the Titans, as he is wont to do. I just think it's a weird game. I would lean toward the Rams, but again, you're giving over a touchdown against a real kind of unknown quantity now in what's going to be sort of a new-look Titans offense without Derrick Henry in the fold. That's one that I am happy to pass on. Another game I'm happy to pass on is the final game we'll talk about tonight on the GBI Show, folks. Monday Night Football, Bears-Steelers, the Chicago Bears, six-point underdogs. Total is 40. And it's it's another game where you have two teams that really aren't proficient at moving the football. Uh, Chicago dead last in the league in yards per play gained. The Steelers, they are in the bottom eight in that category. Neither team particularly proficient, though the perception surrounding this game is that the Steelers are much better at it than the Bears. That hasn't borne out in the statistics from these two teams. They're both pretty average middle of the pack in terms of their yards per play allowed. I will say this about this particular matchup between the Bears and the Steelers. We saw a similar point spread when the Seattle Seahawks came in to play the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And of course, that was Geno Smith at quarterback for Seattle. I think that there's uh, not a comparison in terms of the way they play the game or anything, but just in terms of their overall abilities. I think Justin Fields, right, he's like not, not impressive, but he's not the worst guy in the league either. Geno Smith, to me, kind of fits a similar bill. And the Steelers did not cover the number. I think it was around five, five and a half on Sunday night football against the Seahawks. Now you're a six point favorite against this Bears team that also struggles offensively. And I don't know that the Steelers have enough juice with their offense to cover this kind of number. I really don't. We saw it last week against a struggling Cleveland Browns offense. Pittsburgh only needed to put up what I think they needed to put up what 11 points to win the game outright. They scored 15. And they ended up winning that game in Cleveland. I think we see a similar kind of ugly sort of game here. I lean Bears in the under, but I really, uh, I really don't feel all that strongly about either one, based off of what we've seen from both of these teams struggling to move the ball all season long. So that's your look at Week Nine of the NFL season, folks. We made it here on the GBI Show. Of course, next week we're going to go through Week Ten. But before we go through week 10 next week, we are going to give you the progress report. We will mention all, every single one of the preseason futures, season win totals, all that fun stuff. Those bets that we recommended before the season on the season preview editions of the GBI show. We'll let you know how those are doing. And uh, if you know we feel like hedging is a thing you should pursue, we'll let you know that as well. And then, of course, we'll preview the week 10 slate. Of course, don't forget. Go to Caesar Sportsbook. Use code GBI bonus at Caesar Sportsbook. Match bet up to $1,001. They will give you $1,001 in free bets if that is how much you wager on your first bet at Caesars. And then, of course, you could always win the bet and take back your money and the profits along with that up to $1,001 in free bets. Be sure to check that out. Check out the ATS app as well. Until next time, 
Jay Sannon saying, see you later. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the GBI Show.